0: Good morning, Faith Fellowship. Man, I was uh, sitting there, not weepy, but the 40-year-old emotions are kind of a thing. Just listening to your prayer requests. You know, one of the things that, uh, you know, Pastor James and I pray for in this class and when we discuss is the heart that a class for the loss and just hearing what God is doing and how God is using you. Uh, really just touched my heart this morning. And so, man, I, I love you guys. You guys are the best. Um, so anyway, so I don't turn into Brandon and start weeping my eyes out. Um, <laughs> no, no, he will do it two or three times for me. So <laughs> I'll uh, turn to Acts 28. Guys, this is the end of Acts. <laughs> Apparently, Gigi has not enjoyed it, and uh, we have been in it too long. <laughs> no, I think, uh, man, I there's so many things about this that, you know, I, I think uh, just jumps out at me over the course and time of this. And really, um, if you notice, our title here is, uh, but in the end, there's hope and the And the thing is is this ends in a particular way where it it may not be um really for sure or certain how Paul's life ends. Uh, we don't see Luke record the trial uh, that needs to take place in order for his freedom to to reign and so so this is this is like we're coming to the end here um how this contextually where we are Paul has just been shipwrecked uh, in uh, Malta with 276 other individuals uh, that the Lord promised everybody would make it the only ones that didn't make it now if you remember just so what happened in Acts 27 are the guys that got on the little boat and left and essentially he said I can secure the safety of those that are in the boat but after that I don't know right so we don't really know how those other individuals turned out and and one thing just as a small little detail about about leadership for us is that when a man of God speaks and says thus saith the Lord you should follow that Um, and that would have helped those individuals greatly but they they chose not to and so here we are now we're on land Remember last time we talked about how the Lord uses storms in our lives and the lives of other individuals. It needed to be on display that God was all powerful. Uh, There needed to be a humbling on one hand for Paul, just continually, right? Just to keep him in a good place of humbling. He was steadfast. He knew what the plan was. He reassured them even, but still he was going to be a part of this process. And that happens to us a lot, right? Where there are things that are going on in the world. COVID affected all of us. It wasn't like the Christians got, you know, uh, didn't have that affect us. That was part of our learning as well. Right. And so the Lord will use big things like that in order to get everybody's attention. Well, man, I think Paul has been subtly maintaining his course when he opens his mouth. It is, it is specific and it is directed towards the promotion of the gospel. And that's something that about him that we really just need to take away, right? Is like when the going gets tough, he's going to lean on the gospel. I mean, that's just, that's his position. And so we saw how God used him mightily in this place. And so now the thing that you want to kind of redirect your focus so that we don't put Paul on any mantle, any higher than what he deserves, he is, as Greg Axe would call him, the greatest Christian that's ever lived. Uh, I don't think that's up for debate. <laughs> be true, right? And so I, I I believe that. But at the same time, he's just a man. And we saw some missteps here and there, right? And so the real focus has to be on the God we serve. This is his mission. And he will continue it. And so Let's dive in here and kind of look at what we have. We'll read the whole text, and then we'll get back into uh, breaking it down. It starts here in 28, chapter 1. And when they escaped, then they knew that the island was called Melita, and the barbarous people showed us no little kindness, for they kindled a fire and received uh, received us every one because of the present rain and because of the cold. Now, when they say barbarous people, don't just think, in my mind, I just started thinking of Vikings, but that's not, you know, <laughs> right? When you just think of barbaric people, it's like, oh, yeah, Vikings, right? But like, no, that's not what they're talking about. Any Anybody, like in terms of when this writing is, if they didn't speak Greek, then you would be barbarous, okay? So in reality, this is this island is Malta. These people probably are Phoenician uh, peoples. Okay, so not uneducated or anything; that they just don't speak Greek. All right, and so it goes on to say in verse three. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the barbarians saw this venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, "No doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not to live." That's a that's a lot of words for that event, (laughs) right? And, uh, and in verse five, he says, and he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Howbeit they, it when he should have swollen or fallen suddenly, but after they had looked a great while and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was God. Okay, well, we still didn't get it right. I mean, <laughs> off a little bit. Same quarters were possessions of the chief men of the island, whose name was uh, Publius, who received us and lodged us three days courteously. And came to pass that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and of a bloody flux to whom Paul entered in and prayed and laid his hands on him and him. So when this was done, others also, which had diseases in the island, came and were healed. Isn't that interesting? Again, this is a return to form, right? Like, oh, yeah, we've seen this Paul before, right? Like, this is early acts, uh, kind of uh, just, you know, basically replaying for us here. And then he goes on to say, Uh, Verse 9, so when this was done, others, oh, I said that, uh, 10, who also honored us with many honors. And when we departed, they laden things as were necessary. And after three months, we departed in a ship of Alexandria, which had wintered in the isle, whose son was Castor and uh, Pollux. And landing at at, uh, Syracuse, we tarried there three days. And from there, we fetched the compass and came to Regium. And after one day, the south wind blew. And we came the next day to patoli now the interesting thing about that is just notice how the wind was a help before <laughs> the wind was challenging uh right uh, Bashed the ship they had to throw out some of the grain and now this is like oh we got a south wind this is helping us get to our destination verse 14 where we were found where we found brethren and were desired to tarry with them seven days and so we went to uh toward rome and from thence When the brethren heard of us, they came to meet us as far as uh, a pie forum and three taverns. Uh, And I'll tell you those distances when we kind of get into there, just so you can know kind of roughly where this is, is from Rome. Whom when Paul saw, he thanked God and took courage. And when he came to Rome, Turian delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard, but Paul was suffered to dwell by himself with a soldier that kept him. Now, if you notice something, it says, and when we, when we came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard. It's interesting. On this journey, these guys are, are with Paul, right? As he's going about. Now, the thing we don't know is if it's all 276, but some of these individuals, Wiersbe writes in his book, Be Daring, that uh, some of these were going to be killed. So it would have been important for Paul in terms of what was happening on the boat. And it doesn't record that. But I would imagine being Paul, I mean, not afraid of the gospel, somebody that loves that, probably had been sharing the gospel with these individuals and got them to the point. Remember, there was a fast on the boat and then he led them to eat on the boat. And so now think about it. I mean, there's an attachment. This guy is in bonds and he's, as we're reading this, you kind of forget like, oh, he's a prisoner because he's just moving about. Man, just the freedom that God gives his people. Man, I'm telling you, no circumstance has power over you. It's just, I mean, you got to just look between the lines there. No situation has power over you. Okay, so then, verse 17, and it came to pass that after three days, Paul called the chief of the Jews together, and when they were come together, he said to them, men and brethren, though I have committed nothing against the people or customs of our fathers, yet was I de- a prisoner from jerusalem into the hands of the romans who when they examined me would have let me go because there was no cause of death in me remember i told you that a little spot perhaps if he hadn't have said i want to see caesar that maybe they would have just let him go then and then he could have just done he could have gotten to rome kind of on his own terms without necessarily having to be in bonds and all of that team but when the jews spake against it i was to appeal unto caesar not that i had for have I called for you to see you and to speak with you because that for the hope of Israel I am bound with this chain make no mistake about it when he says the hope of Israel he is talking about the messianic uh promise that Jesus will rule and reign and so that is Israel's hope well that's our hope too right like we want that too and so he's going to kind of mention something uh terminology that is uh in line with a new testament uh doctrine here in a moment verse 21 and they said unto him we neither receive letters out of judea concerning thee neither any of the brethren that came of thee now let me just remind you remember felix asked agrippa like hey meet with because i can't send him to rome without a letter i don't know what to write (laughs) like because a little bit he's struggling with the same idea like let's just let this guy go you know but I can't, right? Because the Jews that are there are like, we got to kill this guy. And he's like, oh, I, wanna, I want you to like me. So let's try to find out you know, a way to make him guilty. So now it's very interesting. Boom, verse 21. And they said to him, we, we don't have any letters. We don't have anything. That's, remember, he was so worried about that, <laughs> right? Just how all of this is going to go down. And you can see how the Lord just and the Lord does this the same way. You know, all these things are concerns for us. And the Lord's just like, come on, I got you. <laughs> and so we, we neither received letters out of Judea, neither any of the brethren that came showed or spake any harm of thee. It was those guys, you know, the Jews principally, right? That were saying, that were making the case against him in the first place. Man, I, God is good. i'm I'm telling you pay attention so then let's see what verse am i at guys 22 but we desire to hear of thee what thou thinkest, for as concerning this sect okay now what he's saying is tell us about christianity now we have heard about that (laughs) you know we know that everywhere it is spoken uh it is spoken against and when they had appointed him a day there came many him into his lodging to whom he expounded and testified here it is the kingdom of god okay for us in terms of just a doctrinal position that's the kingdom that we are you know that's the spiritual kingdom okay and so he's expounding on them in terms of not just jewish culture but now he's going to basically be explaining the gospel and uh, so anytime you see that in these times is that's important to just take note of uh, persuading them concerning Jesus, he said that, and then he says something very interesting, which some people, with even still to this day, but both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets, from morning till evening, okay, that this is not just a concept that just showed up in Matthew, you know, that actually this is something that the Lord has been talking uh, since then, and it would be important to them. And here is a winsome uh, detail about Paul is the ability to, to know his audience in such a way that he's tailoring the gospel to fit their, um, the way their mind works. So he knows the great respect by which they have of the prophets and of Moses. So now what he's going to do is unravel their position of Judaism and then actually make a bridge for Christianity. That's incredible. It's something, again, that we should learn how to do is just know your audience versus things being scripted or just, you know what I'm saying? Like, listen to them, know who it is that, you know, you're talking to. Verse 24, and some believe the things which were spoken and some believe not. And when they agreed not among themselves, they departed after that, Paul, and had spoken one word. And then (laughs) now this, I mean, he's, this more than one word. Well spake the Holy Ghost by Isaiah the prophet unto our father saying, go unto this people and say, hearing ye shall hear and shall not understand and seeing you shall see and not perceive for the heart of this people is waxed gross and their ears are dull of hearing and their eyes have they closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and should be con- converted and I should heal them be it known therefore unto you that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles and that they will hear it and this is almost like what Paul said earlier Uh, at a time where he had been having a conversation with, uh, again, Jewish leaders, and basically laying out the gospel. And then he remembered, he said, okay, well, I turned to the Gentiles then. I mean, this is kind of like a similar statement, you know, that he's kind of making here. And uh, peacefully, thankfully, nothing has happened. This didn't turn into an uproar or some sort of uprising like we had seen in some of the earlier chapters. This, again, things are just kind of like peacefully, Taking place uh, he's having freedom to speak truth and and so look at what happens verse 29 and when he had said these words the jews departed had great re- reason among themselves and then check this out and paul dwelt two two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came in unto him preaching the kingdom of god and teaching those things which were which concerned the lord jesus christ with all confidence no man forbidding him And so if you can't come to, the scripture absolutely supports that, but in the end is hope. And we had to kind of go through and really kind of even overanalyze just so we could be careful not to make the same missteps when watching some of the things that Paul was doing from emotion or just in response to fear or whatever the case may be, right? Like all of those things and how they can just distract you. But in the end, there's hope. So, this morning, what's the, what's the point of trying to, to tell you that? So, we come off of two weeks of celebration of adoration, and we're thankful to the Lord that He has allowed Midtown to stay a church for these 15 years and, and even allowed us to plant other churches uh, throughout the country and still have a heart to do that throughout the world, right? And so, man, that's great because in actuality, that is a continuation of what we are watching in Acts. The thing that you get a chance to be a part of is this. Like, the story continues, and because now you have the word of God, you have the Holy Spirit, you have God's people, and God expects you to do something with that. So you have to look at, there's a link here. Like, the way it ends, period, we know, and, you know, we'll get into a little bit of the history. I'm not going to dive hard into it, but just to kind of tell you, you know, when he... uh, roughly when he was beheaded and just whatever happened with all that. But ultimately you are a part of this narrative. So the way you kind of want to look at Axe is, is like uh, bread, wonder bread. I, I don't know why I didn't think of wheat bread. It's healthier, but I'm just thinking of wonder bread. So Axe is like the sleeve over the slices of bread. And the slices would be those New Testament chapters. So things are being written during the course of time the Acts is being written in. Okay. And so like it kind of covers over a lot of our uh, our our New Testament. And we'll we'll talk about that at the end of what got written, even as it's saying this over this two years, because it just said two years, it gave you this window. Well, what happened? Well, there's some books that get written from this time period, uh, quite a bit, <laughs> you know, and so. Actually, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that, too, once we get to it. But anyway, our key points are going to be this this morning. And you notice that this is a focus that doesn't have uh, Paul, but it has the architect. Why? Because there are promises that you need to hold on to in order to see that hope
1: be your, your end. So we're going to look at God will protect us. Listen, this is the
0: Lord's ministry. And the moment that you receive the gift of salvation, the Lord has planted you into it and wants to use you and to show you all that he is going to show you, whatever that may be. And so there has to be promises that you basically rely on when the enemy tries to tell you something opposite. Because he will. Some of y'all right now may have just simply need to hear God will protect us. I need to be reminded of that today. God will provide for us. This is something else, man, especially during this time. It's difficult. You know, maybe you want to give the kids gifts and the money is just not there. And you're going to have to tell them, um, hey, you're getting less or nothing or whatever. However, that conversation is. Let me just tell you, kids are resilient. They don't care anyways. They really just want you and your attention. Now, some of you can make a me monster where it's, uh, you know, like a dump truck of toys is getting dropped off every year and birthday parties and all that. You can do that unwisely. I wouldn't recommend it. It's like one year old birthday parties. That's really for the adults. The kid doesn't even know it's there. <laughs> right. And so, why do you spend all that money? Why is there a bouncy house for anything before seven or eight? <laughs> you know, <laughs> they don't remember. Okay. And so, Man, let God provide for you. Don't worry about what you have to maybe sacrifice or stop doing or stop paying for or overpaying for or always your money's tied up. Let the Lord provide for you. Man, this one, God will pose, uh, poise us. This is that balance and equilibrium that is definitely necessary for the believer. And uh, there's kind of a, you know, a key to that, that we need to absolutely explore that we're going to see in scripture this morning. God will position us. Listen, again, it's his kingdom. I don't, you know, uh, I guess on some level I could pick and choose what it is I'm going to do if I'm, if it's my agenda, but if I'm just going to make myself available to the Lord, then he will pick and choose and I will agree. And that's a process. Now, some people, like Paul, he heard, okay, from the Lord, salvation story, I got it, kick against the pricks, yep, done with that, what do you want me to do? Man, that's the right hard attitude. But a lot of times we're like, well, I don't know, when is that, is that on Tuesday night? I'm not doing it. Like, come on, man.
1: Come on. Let the Lord
0: set you up. Wherever it is that he wants you to be at. And then the last thing, God will purpose us. Not rocket science, but these are promises that will happen and they will produce a result. You will have hope. Now, let me just clarify something for you. Hope, as we understand, is like maybe, but hope in the Bible is guaranteed. And the guarantee that, is that uh, you can rest your hat on is that the Lord will return. And he will judge the time that you have been saved and what did you do with the time that you were given. So I'm, I know that that's coming. So I need to lean on these promises to make sure that that uh, examination goes well. Now, listen, nobody here is gonna do that perfectly. Not even our dear Paul but man, make the effort, make the effort. And so let's get into it. Um, First one, God will protect us. We see that in verse one. And again, simply it just says, and when they were escaped, then they knew that the island was called Melita. Remember how desperate they were and how bad the storm was. There are basically two huge storm stories and even the one that we would say of Jesus with the disciples, this is different because it's on a boat, on a on a boat that is uh, has people that are kind of upset about it and we're trying to get somewhere. And so with Jonah and, and this account in 27, boy, there's some interesting parallels between the two of those narratives and just how they come out. And so what's beautiful about this, really, that you need to just take in mind is that the boat was lost, but not a single person was lost. And listen, this is the value that the Lord puts on the individual and not necessarily the stuff that you have. And sometimes that you lose stuff, right? And God says, no, you're done with that or whatever, but man, I got you. See, there's something I want you to take home with you on this. Protection only comes by obedience to his word. Protection only is going to come by obedience to his word. If you don't obey the words of scripture, um, it's like you're gambling. Why would I do that? See, in Psalm 63:7, it says this, because thou has been my help, Therefore, in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. And, I, and listen, it just made me have one principal question is what is your current relationship to his word? I mean, you can tell me anything, but just between you and him. You and him. Does it bring you comfort? Is it the first thing you go to or you make a phone call to this person or that person? Man, in this place, we we have leadership that's uh, available and willing and able to to help you. But the thing that we wanna do is equip you so that you know the word of God for yourself. So how are you doing at at learning that? We do that through Bible study, through uh, discipleship, through Foundations 2 and 3, through LFBI. Listen, LFBI knowledge is not simply so I have a gigantic head. The stuff that I've been learning from Pastor Greg Axe and Romans have been things I'd sit back in my chair often. I'm like, man, it's good. It's a great reminder. It encourages me. It connects this dot to that dot or whatever the case may be, right? And it's something that surely I hope that the Holy Spirit will pull up in that moment of desperation. And I go, thank you, Lord, for that. See, that obedience that Paul had in in 27 when they had, you know, when he basically just told the sailors like, hey, man, listen, this is we're we will be fine. None of you will be lost. Man, that came straight from the Lord. And then what did he do with the word? He delivered it to somebody else. (laughs) I'm telling y'all.
1: let's I mean. Sometimes, man, we just treat his
0: word so cavalier and just so. Guys, we are a continuation. We are the continuation of what is happening in Acts. You maybe not even realize what you're connected to. Is that a bad? Rashad, do I have control of this? Okay. Okay. Yeah. I just had to do a test. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) okay. Um, the next one, God will provide for us. We see that in two through 10. And the thing that you have to pay attention to is now I am a stranger shipwreck, probably a little damp. My beard is all askew and sandy and seaweedy. And, uh, verse two and the barbarous people showed us no little kindness. I, I mean, I smell like the sea. Now for us, that's this, we're not sea see people around here. In Boston, that's, you smell that, right? <laughs> but not in Kansas City. You may smell like cows, <laughs> you know, or something like that, right? And so, yeah, those things are familiar. But still, just look at what is taking place with them. And something that you just need to take in consideration, provision only comes by his grace and mercy. See, I never want to get into an expectation uh, of the Lord that he owes me something. He's already given me everything that I need. So if I get above what it is that I need, then man, that's a show of his grace and mercy. And I can feel really good about that. But now let me flip it for you because Paul did something with that. Paul was grateful for life and salvation, life from, (laughs) we made it. The Lord said we we're going to make it. It was rough. Got maybe a little sick on the way. And also never forgetting Calvary. Now he would show his gratitude to the Lord by serving others. And we see that just kind of in the rest of this text and the time that he spends with, uh, with those guys on the island there. But it makes me think of something very important in Philippians 4 that says this. I'm going to read all of it. Not that I speak in respect of one, for I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be a base and how to abound everywhere. And in all things, I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And then, of course, the the incredible statement of strength. Verse 13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And then he goes on to say, just in in giving praise to the Philippians, and and by the end of it, you know, in verse 18, he says, but I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus, the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. See, okay, it's the flip of that, if you think about it. The one thing is is he's saying what God is doing for him, and then he guarantees that God would do the same for them. Now, sometimes, in those guarantees, you would have to actually physically do something, and so there is some help that he's having to do. Now again, he's not around people that are going to be um you know of his crew of his normal crew. but ultimately, if we look at this. It's when you see in verse seven, in the same quarters were possession of the chief men of the island, whose name was Publius, who received us and lodged us there three days courteously. Okay, so on one hand, here's the Lord uh, providing a place to stay. And then verse eight, and it came to pass that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and a bloody flux to whom Paul entered in, prayed, laid his hands on him and healed him. So now he becomes God's instrument in a situation where he could have been like, man, I don't know you, right? Like, I don't, but that's not Paul's heart. That would be so out of character for him to do that, right? But like, that's the thing about having character and integrity in in your faith, that you also get the blessings from the Lord, but then you can in turn give them. How's that go for you? Now, in this class, man, I have very little I could say. You are generous. You have fed each other. Uh, you have lodged each other's children you have I mean just been there for each other man we need to keep let's keep that going let's keep that going that's a good thing for us to do because why well it's a sweet smell and that's a sacrifice acceptable well-pleasing to God see if I want this end to work out then I have to be like that I have to not only be thankful and grateful for what it is that God has done, but I have to in turn be able to be used to be a help to others. Now, all seems well. Everything seems good except for in this spot here,
1: verse six. And really it starts in that
0: And just notice the viper in the middle of this goodness that's happening and getting cared for and being able to help others and all of that, right? And this reminds us of something that we just need to hold true here is a fulfillment that essentially Jesus told the disciples, this is how this is going to go. In Mark 16, 15 through 18, it says, and he said to them, go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, he that believeth and is baptized. Shall be saved but he that believeth not shall be damned and these signs shall follow them that believe in my name shall they cast out devils they shall speak with new tongues they shall take up serpents and if they drink any deadly thing it shall hurt them and they shall lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover now you might be thinking oh well the viper is just you know just a snake nope <laughs> luke 10 19 and 20 behold i give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and and what, what does it say? And over all the power of the enemy. See, here's the deal. It's kind of true what they were saying. You know, these guys are watching him come off the boat and they're like, man, the sea couldn't end him. Now here's the snake takes his hand. This guy must be wicked. Now, on one hand, God was in control of the seas and got them to where they said they were gonna be and used that in order to, you know, obviously refine just more of, of Paul's thinking, but then also to get those other guys in tow to hear the man of God, his, his uh, 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 steadfast viewpoint, right? It was like, hey, we're going to make it, right? And be encouraged by that. And maybe even give God their ear just in terms of the gospel going forward. Okay, but now we get to this part with the snake. And this is the thing that you have to be careful. As Christians, we must constantly be on alert for attack because it comes in all sizes. See, a lot of times what we do is relax and wait, man, and then right around the corner, there's something challenging, slightly difficult, and it throws you off enough that it could, like, disrupt your forward progress. So you have to be careful about the things you may say at work or the things you may viewpoints you may have getting emotional about a response or somebody said this and it kind of ticked you off. And so then you responded in the way that in order to make them feel that. And man, but you were just at church on Sunday and you're going to prayer on Tuesday. That happened on Monday. Gotcha. <laughs> right. And so, I mean, like, this is how this goes sometimes. And it's the thing that we, we, we just sometimes walk around a little bit unaware man, understand what you're a part of. This is why you gotta know you're a part of the the continuation of Acts and beyond. Man, the Bible is in your hands. So the big thing that you're a part of, the enemy is still trying to disrupt, which is why maybe, maybe, some of the things that you wrestle with or maybe have yet to see victory in is just really the enemy's got you in a headlock. Man, listen, this is an ask the father to bind the strong man. Don't get taken out by the little thing or the big thing. Sometimes the big thing, you can see it coming a mile away. So you're ready and you kind of, you get in a position. But the little thing, like the viper, we just collecting wood out here. So here's the other part of that and why I want you to just be aware. Well, you be aware why? Because you're being what you need to use those opportunities to glorify the Lord. The enemy is looking for any reason to not hear the Lord. And especially because now we're getting to a point in this class, okay, church-wide, but let's just focus on faith fellowship for a second. Our prayer requests suggest that we are developing a heart for the lost, which means we're opening our mouths in our neighborhoods, at work, and maybe just out in public. Okay, listen, so it matters how you respond to that waiter or waitress. It, it matters how what time you show up at work. It matters how you handle your boss. It matters how you are in the neighborhood. It matters. They're watching, right? Listen, we can't just get all fired up about these big kind of events that come out of church and We're going to make a push and make an Andrew list and you start doing that and think that the devil is just going to sit behind and let you do that. No. He's looking to destroy your testimony. He can't take your salvation. Man, what he would love to do is just to get you to sit on the sideline.
1: Be careful. Be careful. Next section. God
0: will poise us in 11 through 16 I really love just how it reads here let's read it it says and after three months we departed in a ship of Alexandria we had wintered in the aisle see that was the smart thing to do remember when Paul told the sailors he's like hey we should camp out right here why because sailing in the winter is awful the storms are the worst so really he's trying to help them out but they you know they didn't listen and he's like you know I told you you know <laughs> So that's kind of, that's kind of what's happening there, which had went in the aisle whose sign was Castor and and, uh, Pollux. Now, those two names are kind of interesting. Uh, It just kind of speaks to the foolishness of men. These are Zeus's twin boys. And these are basically the uh, uh, kind of demigods that that sailors would use as protection as they are going on their way. So there were boats that used either these two images or had something like that. That's like, hey, protect us on the way. And the funny thing is, I think I'm just imagining Luke writing that. Why would he Why would he put that in there? Knowing full well that it's God that is 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 planning their way, right? Like this caster and Paul, like these two idiots aren't doing anything. <laughs> you know, they don't even exist, right? They just are these carvings. And so it's kind of neat that he just threw that in there. And in verse 12, and landed at Syracuse, we tarried there three days. And from thence, we fetched a compass and came to Regium. And after one day, the south wind blew, and we came the next day to uh, Puteoli. Ooh, listen, listen, listen how this reads. I love it. Where we found brethren and were desired to tarry with them seven days and so went toward Rome. And from thence, when, they, when they, uh, the brethren heard of us, they came to meet us. I mean, like it's like we found brethren. Man, sometimes I come in here and, like, whatever happened for the day, like, I will study with the guys, or even just this morning, you know, there's an anticipation just to see you. This is like home plate. There's not going to be the foolish with that work when I come in here, right? even though there's just people involved, but it's refreshing just to see you. Man, that is the balance for us. See, a lot of times you're out there on your own and you're trying to do this. Really, one hand, it's like you got one hand tied behind your back. Okay, now go and fight. Yes, the Lord is with you, but he gave us each other. So there's something really powerful about the fact that when we're together, man, like if you're sharing the gospel, if you've ever done that in a group or even a group of two, and you can go bounce back and forth off each other, the other person listening and like they'll jump in and interject and man, it's fantastic. Man, I just wonder if you really value that. Are you still just coming for you, right? See, balance of the life of the believer comes from fellowship with other believers. You got to have that. I don't know what else to tell you. That's why being here is so critical. Listen, you're going to miss. There's going to be things. You got kids, get sick, kids played sports, whatever. You're going to miss. So this is not about making you feel bad uh, in terms of, of, you know, sometimes when the schedule just don't line up, but man, I'm just telling you one thing that you want to purpose in your heart, um, when you're asking for jobs or anything like that is no Sundays, no Tuesday nights. I'm just, I, it's worked for me. And I remember that transition when I did that, and actually I always, you know, kind of just share this story. Guy Bailey did that for me when I was, uh, and he didn't say it and it's so specific, but I was um, going to go to school or take this job at Harley-Davidson. And the job at Harley-Davidson was, um, you know, it would have put me on the line and all of that. And I remember God just out of nowhere. Now, we we're friends and we were on security together. But he just said, go to school and put a flag down for the Lord. And he, he gave me his testimony just in terms of what he did. And I just thought and the Lord said the, the flag for you, because really Tuesday night was optional for me up to that point. And at that point, it was like, boom, I got to be there. Man, it changed everything. There's no fellowship leader without that decision. This is what I'm saying about these, these little decisions, these little things you're contemplating, you're thinking about, you, um, I kind of want to go to the Bible study. Man, go. And I feel like I, I just got
1: to get to church to Go. Come.
0: Balancing the life of the believer comes from fellowship with other believers. You need that. You need them to hold you up in prayer. Only thing that you can do when he says break up in group is start crying. I've had that. The person next to me just lost it. I'm like, I don't even know what's wrong. I'm just going to start praying for them. But they were in the right place versus being out there crying. Man, value that. First Thessalonians 3, 6 to 8 says, but now when Timotheus came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity and that your good remembrance of us always desiring greatly to see us and as also we seek to see you. Therefore, brethren, we are comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. For now we live. If you stand fast in the Lord, man, You guys don't know what it does just to be able to see a lot of the brothers and sisters that I've seen over the years just maintain and be here. It matters because you know what? There's some that ain't.
1: It matters. It matters
0: to the pastor of this church that you continue to grow. You continue to be used of God in, in whatever way. None of them are afraid of your success. Man, they want you to lead Bible study. They want you to be great disciples. They want you to become fellowship leaders, pastors, church planners. You're not going to get that trying to be Rambo Christian. Like you got it all figured out. You don't. Maybe you didn't know that. (laughs) Okay, next here. God will position us. And the thing that is just really critical, again, if you think back to what was said in verse 17, it says, and it came to pass that after three days, Paul called the chief of the Jews together. After all that Paul has been through, all that Paul has said, that anybody would give him any ear, is just that the Lord is saying, I want you to be in front of who you need to be in front of. of
1: the Jews together.
0: And listen, then it says. So he called them and the next and when they were come together, he said to them, men and brethren, though I've committed nothing against the people or customs of our fathers, yet was I delivered prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans who, when they had examined me, would have let me go because there was no cause of death in me. But when the Jews spake against it, I was constrained to appeal on Caesar, not that I had aught to accuse of my nation for this cause. Therefore, I have called for you to see you, to speak with you because that for the hope of Israel I am bound with this chain. The thing that's kind of important too about this bound this bound in this chain is that it is chained to the wrist and to another guard. And so it's like on shifts. They would just bring another guard in and he'd be chained to that individual. And the cool thing about it is now you got to think back all those times and those other books when he talks about being bound in chain. He's talking about that that chain, that situation that he's in. It's remarkable because it's, you know, there's some discomfort with it, but God is still using him and he's okay with that. He's not complaining about it. He's just, he highlights it in a way that's necessary for people to understand, hey, this is the gravity of what we're doing here. See, I, man, this is probably the thing that I, I love the most. Paul's humility was a great guide for his mouth. And listen, I... Just even saying that now, uh, that's hard for anybody. And yeah, we can think of when he got you know, smote in the mouth and the statement he made against the chief there, not knowing, right? But his humility, he corrected himself in the middle of it, like right then, right? Man, do you have a heart that, that, is, that you are swift to correction? that you recognize it within yourself and then you say you know what my bad sorry lord because listen a heart that's like that that's always pliable man the lord will give you the platform to speak why because he can trust you you're going to magnify him not you but if humility is not there you know what pride will speak of itself Luke 14, 11, for whosoever exalted himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Our dear Paul was humble, man. He had been humbled by the circumstances he had been in. I know Paul had learned the valuable lessons of, man, I should have went to Jerusalem. That caused me, a, you know, a lot of this grief. Maybe I shouldn't have said this thing, but he didn't dwell on it. He moved forward. And the thing that is, is critical, we can always just go back to Paul and, and any of his addresses. It is glory to God. He is a human being, y'all. It could be the same thing for us, that we could simply say, you're in a hard thing. Instead of just giving everybody all the details, you could just say, pray for me. God is at work. It would just be a good, st- it's just a, you said a lot. <laughs> you say that. Especially when you don't go into detail, but kind of we like that, right? We feel, especially in today's just the therapy that we think that comes along with just staying in these places. But the thing is, is what you're saying on the end is that God is at work. So I have hope versus I'm just giving you garbage. See? Different. That's Paul. I'm bound. Amen. I've called for you, to see you, to speak with you, with this chain on, just to tell you about the real hope of Israel. I met him. I know him. You can know him.
1: I mean, that man, that's Paul's heart. So why wouldn't the Lord give him the platform to do it? Last thing. God will purpose us. And we see this just
0: beautifully over the last two verses. And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house, received all that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God, teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. Even with those chains on, y'all. They didn't matter to him. My... Um, Parting thought here, just that I want you to have, comes actually from Mark Trotter, and uh, it says, uh, "If we surrender ourselves to Him daily, we will have the amazing honor of joining God where He is already working." That's the kind of purpose you get. And here's the deal: it's simply from a place of surrender, and ultimately, if you just look at Paul, and and this is why we've had to balance not turning him into a statue, but showing you that he's a man, is that simply it was about surrender. Paul surrendered himself to the Lord. And then the Lord used him in mighty and amazing ways. And a little bit, we think that that is a far gone conclusion. And, you know, and yes, some of the incredible things that Paul got to do, we're kind of beyond that in terms of the times you're not going to maybe do those things, But listen, I don't think by accident you're at MBT. And so the Lord wants to use you in a church that isn't perfect, but very much has a heart for the gospel, for discipleship, and for equipping leaders. And so the thing you got to start thinking about is, if that's not by accident, then what does God want me to do while I'm here? Here. In faith fellowship, even. See, for those of you that are new, you haven't maybe heard me say, and I I normally, I need to do it more often, but we have a, a vision here. Ultimately, we want to produce shepherds and evangelists. See, in every aspect of your life, you can be both. And ladies, yeah, that doesn't mean that you'll have a pulpit that you'll speak from, but you can have a Bible study. You have children. You have people you can disciple. So absolutely, you will be shepherding. And man, that heart for evangelism that says that in humility, I always have the cross present in mind that I'm looking at people as lost souls. And I want to give them that. So listen, these promises that I'm simply saying that the Lord is guaranteed that you can have the hope that, you know, when you see him again, not only will that be rejoicing, but even when there's the reexamination of the time spent in salvation that, and you have something to present. I don't want you to show up empty-handed.
1: Paul didn't end up empty-handed.
0: During these two years in Rome, between Wearsby and Trotter and the Companion Bible, roughly they land on, this was about AD 60, when he got there, Paul wrote in this time frame that he's there in Rome, Philippians, Ephesians, Colossians, and Philemon. Now, some even go a little bit further, and they say after his release, because they assume that he had gotten released just because of the wording that you see in uh, uh, Timothy, especially when we studied that, we kind of talked about that, and the point where he was like being left alone, right, and that he was, had a little bit more freedom even, that he then would write First and Second Timothy and then Titus, and then ultimately to end to his own demise and, and beheaded around AD 64 or after that, really, still during Nero's persecution of Christians. Peter saying crucified, asked to be crucified upside down because he didn't want to be in the in, to, to model what it was that Jesus had done. Now we use that as a way and to for the occult and films to be blasphemous to the Lord, but Paul, uh, Peter meant it as something, as a sign of respect that you would hang me upside down. See how the world flips stuff. And so listen, all that to say, with everything that possibly we've we've covered, and, and really this is just a, a big overview uh, of 28. Yep, there's a lot of things you could dive in deeper, but ultimately the key point is this, God takes full responsibility for accomplishing his own mission. God takes full responsibility. These guys didn't know what they were doing. They didn't have LFBI. They were learning it on the fly. That's what it was called, on the fly. <laughs> it wasn't called LFBI, it was on the fly, right? And so ultimately it's, it's laughable how incredible an impact and turning the world upside down for people who don't have a clue of what they're doing. We're arguing over whether I should be circumcised or not and baptisms, how if this person's getting the, you know, uh, uh, speaking in tongues, another language that I like, man, understand what you're a part of. This is what you're a part of. And this is what you have an opportunity to see further in your life. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ this morning, then ultimately the Lord expects you to be a part of this. If not, then man, let's talk about it. I can show you from scripture and we can just look simply at his death, burial, and resurrection. That is the power. The Lord has sealed that, especially on the resurrection side, it's critical because if he doesn't get up, he doesn't have power of sin and death he does. He's alive right now. And so, man, listen, I pray that you have enjoyed Acts 28. Go back, reread it. Use your notes that you've taken over time. Now you have something. When you take the other classes, you just fill it in, you know? And, uh, man, I pray that the Lord would just use this class mightily and uh, that we would understand that we're winning. God's already won. He's like, hey, join the winning team. Get off the losing team. That's that's not working. (laughs) It's not going to work. Right? So, man, join us. Be with us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you um, so much just for um, really just the the power of your word and really the, the power of your orchestration. Lord, we do just marvel when we look at, you know, guys like Moses and Joshua and and Paul and And just, I mean, Peter, I mean, we just, David and Lord, you're like, I'm the architect. (laughs) I'm doing this and I could use you also. And so father, I'm just, I just want to have a position that just simply says, Lord, here I am. And Lord, I pray that the class would follow my heart that just says, here I am. Lord, use us, use this, this little measly class. And uh, man, to, to turn our communities and our workplaces and our children, our spouses upside down. And so, Father, would you, would you please just get the glory out of our lives? Lord, thank you for the challenges that refine us and show us our desperate need for you. Lord, thank you for the victory that we have when we see that you use us and then obey and just what that produces in fruit. Lord, thank you um, or we would just want to maintain an, an attitude of thankfulness, um, really just throughout our lives. And so help us to just remember, um, Lord, we forget, I'm sorry. We do, we forget how good you are to us. And so Lord, let these promises be true in our own lives. In Jesus name we pray. Amen.